Well, this is a fun switch. Yeah. Usually it's you interviewing me about Africa or the Middle East. Uh, so now I get to interview you. You and Christian Santos just got back from a trip to Italy, yes. actually to Sicily, yes. right? And uh, before you tell us about the trip, would you sort of give us some background perspective on the state of evangelical yeah. Christianity there? Yeah, um, you know, we did, we were in Sicily and it was obvious everywhere we went that there is tremendous need. And I pulled up some statistics from the Joshua Project, which we mm. rely on. Mm -hmm. And first of all, you, you need to realize there's 60 million people in Italy, which, you know, of course includes Sicily. Okay. Sicily is Italy. And about 1.5% of the population of that 60 million consider themselves to be evangelical Christians. But then you have to realize that um, that doesn't mean that that 1.5% are mainline historical evangelical. There are marginal groups that, that you know we probably wouldn't even consider Christian. There are, there's the prosperity gospel uh, people and um, and so it, the number actually the percentage is much lower of just mm -hmm. a historical typical evangelical that preaches the gospel it's lower than 1.5 and then the mm -hmm. growth rate in Italy for the evangelical church is 1.9 now you need to understand that the world growth rate here I have it is 2.6 mm -hmm. So when we talk about the growth rate of Christianity or evangelical Christianity in the world, we're also including the 1040 window, one of the most huh. difficult places yeah. to preach the gospel where Christians are persecuted. And so that ought to tell you just how low wow. the annual growth rate is in Italy and especially Sicily. One thing that the brothers made me aware of was that um, the number 100,000 was thrown out, but I haven't been able to confirm that, but that there are there are cities, areas in all of Italy, where there are tens of thousands of people in a city, and not only is there not an evangelical church that preaches the gospel, uh, there's not even an evangelical that's been mm. identified. And so the need is so great. You know, oftentimes, well, Heart Cry is kind of known as, you know, we do missions in hard places like the jungles or mm -hmm. the Middle East or Africa and things like that, Siberia. And that's true, but what people need to realize is that even in the jungles of Peru, there's more gospel light than there is on the streets of wow. Western Europe. There are some good men and women laboring in Western Europe, and there are some good churches but I mean, it is an uphill battle from the first step to the last. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, the state of things. It's, I was positive and hopeful when I looked at some of the men and women and the work of grace in their life there in Sicily. And yet these statistics um, are very, very sad. Yeah. It just shows we need to do more. Yeah. I know I often travel through Europe on my way to Africa and the very first time on my way through Europe, I was shocked at the spiritual darkness there, even yes. compared to Africa. Yes, so. yeah. and it's really, we have to stop comparing things to Africa, because Africa <laughs> trumps everywhere yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, even, even if you just narrowed it down, uh, not just to evangelicals that are gospel-preaching evangelicals, mm -hmm. but even in the, the Baptist and the Reformed Baptist, um, there are some, well, monumental mm -hmm. works going on. So. Yeah. Uh, 
So soon, hopefully, uh, Africa will be sending missionaries here. Yeah, they are an example for the world. So with the Christian witness being so small in Italy, I know that, that we as HeartCry, we have to have a mature biblical church through which to work right. in a country. Right. So what church and what elders are we working through in well, Sicily? It's, um, the English translation is kind of rough, but the Grace Alone hmm. uh, Baptist Church, and it's in Caltaniceta, and the, um, the elders are, are Nazareno Urfo and a dear brother by the name of uh, Giovanni Marino. Mm -hmm. And um, they, you know, I've had so many conversations with them via Skype and everything, but to actually be there with them, to see their energy, mm. to see their dedication to the work was, was greatly encouraged. Now, now Nazareno, who affectionately is called Reno, um, he is, um, man, it's like he's unstoppable. He just mm. goes and goes. He wore me out. And um, one thing that's unique is that he is in the public school system mm -hmm. and chooses to remain there even though he's an elder and he probably works in the ministry more hours each day than most men who are not part-time. Um, but he chooses to remain in the educational system so that he can have an influence, not just on students, but he has an influence on teachers and not just teachers, but administrators and educational leaders hmm. in Italy. He's a voice for the gospel and he's made many, many stands. For example, when you know there are certain laws in Italy of separation, of not mm -hmm. forcing a religion upon students, and, and sometimes that's not obeyed within the realm of Catholicism, mm -hmm. you know, and he'll, he'll make a stand. And, and, but he does it in love, nobly, uh, with kindness, and he has earned the admiration even of some who would probably be his opponents. And so he is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. And then Giovanni is, um, he's one of those guys that the moment you meet him, you're like, okay, here's a man of integrity, and he really knows what he's doing. He runs Alpha and Omega Publishing, which is a ministry of that church in order to publish good reform literature hmm. throughout Sicily and Italy. And, but what you notice about him is his servanthood. He's like that right-hand man. Mm. He's like that guy that is absolutely indispensable uh, to get things done. He is an organizer, and he is uh, very, very efficient. So that's who we're working okay. through. And, um, and uh, you know, as you've pointed out, um, missions is the work of the local church. And missions is to be headed up by elders who are training who are training men to be elder qualified and then those mm -hmm. men being sent out to plant uh, like-minded churches. And that's what we hope to do in, it, in Italy and especially mm -hmm. Sicily. All right, so tell us about this trip. What was the purpose of it? Well, um, for years, um, Italy was being overseen by Holden Berry, mm. our dear brother yeah. Holden. And as you know, last year, he, he left us to be an elder in Nebraska, and God's really, uh, I think God was in all that, and God's really yeah. blessed him, even though we miss him <laughs> yeah. tremendously. And so we're so short-handed at Heart Cry that someone had to take over part of Western Europe, and, and it was me. And uh, normally yeah, my... you would so graciously yeah. take Italy and France and Spain. Well, Come on. you know, <laughs> I, 
the, the whole point is I spent so many years in the jungle and when I told uh, mm. our administrator, Kevin, you know, put somebody else over Europe and put me back in the jungle, he said, with your health and heart condition, we are not putting you anywhere unless there is some type of cardiac unit that you can get to really quick. Yeah. So uh, it is a blessing to work in France and Spain and Italy and Kosovo, mm -hmm. but the problem is I'm in you know, at least in those three countries, um, France, Italy, and Spain, they are world-renowned for their food, mm. and I can't eat any of it. So actually, torture. it's torture. It'd be better if I was uh, uh, in the jungle still yeah. eating a monkey. Yeah. Uh, so that's a little bit of a torture. I guess I'm suffering a bit. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> I went there, even though I have Skyped with the men, and especially with Reino and uh, uh, Giovanni, um, I needed to see firsthand what's mm -hmm. going on and build uh, a relationship, you know, initiate that relationship. Of course, I was there to preach and preach in conferences, but my main goal was to really get to know Reno mm -hmm. and to also um, meet the men and to be able to give counsel in mm -hmm. the matters. Okay. Okay. And we do, we tease you, of course, about those countries, but we know for your health needs that was crucial. Also, your understanding of Latin culture, yeah. right? And yeah. The similarities with Spanish and then probably an understanding of predominantly Roman Catholic culture. Yes. Well, we had to, you know, my years in Peru, that was mm -hmm. a constant, constant battle of teaching justification mm -hmm. uh, by faith, that salvation is a work of grace and being able to also dialogue with Catholics. And Italy yeah. is a center of that. Yeah. And, and Italy is, is it's, it's like most places where Catholicism has been dominant. They will consider themselves Catholic to a degree, but they recognize that they're basically secular. Hmm. And not only do they really not have much to do with the Catholic Church, there's animosity really? uh, for all the things, the scandals and everything. Hmm. And, um, and so when you, when you come with the evangelical faith, you have to be very, very careful to say, I'm not replacing one ecclesiastical hmm. authority for another. I'm not here to get you to come under our authority and leave their authority, but we're talking about scripture. Yeah. To, to know Christ, to know him savingly by faith and to come under his authority that is revealed not in councils or the dictates of of popes and priests and cardinals, but the dictates of scripture. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So what were your first uh, few days like in Italy? Like always, you know, you kind of hit the ground, uh, mm. hit the ground running. Uh, it's so funny because people will come to me and go, man, you know, you've, you've been to some of the greatest countries and places in the world, you know, what a privilege. And I said, yes, and I've not seen one landmark, <laughs> you know. It's like I go from the airport to the hotel to the, uh, to the church and back mm -hmm. and forth. Even though, you know, driving around mm -hmm. to visit all the works, I did see a lot of, a lot of beauty. But um, first I arrived and I spent, uh, well, Christian Santos was with me, mm -hmm. who works with us here. Mm -hmm. In, in media, but he also showed that he is uh, he's a tremendous benefit, not just in media, but mm -hmm. just in dealing with missionaries yeah. and also uh, giving insight. You know, he, he is Latin and mm -hmm. he understands Latin culture. And so it was a great blessing to lean on him mm -hmm. too during the, 
during the time. But I've got down here, I wrote it all down because I'm getting old, but <laughs> I arrived and I, we spent the day with Nazareno Ulfo the first day and, and with Giovanni. And we visited the church building in Caltaniceta. And why we did that is because it's, it's a really a beautiful and efficient facility right there in the mm -hmm. middle of the city. And uh, Heartcry was able to help um, bring the construction to an end. That's right. You know, we were able to provide hmm. many of the things that was lacking in the construction. And it was a marvel to see, you know, here's a kind of a physical representation of the gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's so funny because the way the church was designed and everything, you know, um, you know, he explained to me why were there this many windows and why there were this many steps really? in there, you know, and that he says, all mm. of this we're using to teach the gospel. It was so funny, but mm. um, it was a blessing to see a work that you could visibly point to. And that, that's something that's important in Latin culture mm. that a lot of Americans may not be able to understand is that um, they see that building as, oh, you're permanent, you're real. Mm -hmm. And maybe even, you know, you're not a cult. You're not a sect yeah. who just meets in some hidden place somewhere. You're out in the open. And it's more inviting to, to Catholics and others to come. Mm -hmm. And so that was a great blessing. Mm -hmm. We did that. And we also visited there in that the basement of the facility is where Alpha and Omega has all their um, just they do their publishing. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, um, Giovanni Marino, he is in charge of taking, you know, taking an, an English book, say a, something by John Flavel or John MacArthur or this or that, and, and taking it from English all the way through to final publication, mm -hmm. to printing, to, you know, editing everything and getting it out to the people in Italy. So it was there, and it was really neat to see the storehouse of books and how they're seeking to get good literature out. Uh, not just to Italian believers, but also to Italian, you know, pastors. And, um, you know, that's, we always harp on that, that mm -hmm. historically, you know, in the Reformation, um, the Gutenberg Press was yeah. so important. The preaching and then the confirmation and further explanation of the preaching through good literature. Mm -hmm. So that's what we did our, our first day. I was just thinking about that as you were saying it, how... Uh, here in Italy, you know, the, the power of the truth growing out through yeah. printed word yeah. and uh, people being able to read that. Now, you were involved in preaching a conference while you were yeah. there, right? So yeah. tell us a little bit about that. Well, before I do, let me say this. You brought up a point that's really important is, you know, the Italians, you know, we look at it as, oh, there's a printing press. You know, you're, you're printing. That's wonderful. But, but they're looking at it saying, you know, we, we're in a country where Bibles were burned, mm. where every bit of literature was destroyed. Wow. Evangelical Protestant literature was destroyed by the, by the Catholic Church, you know, where men who sought to bring in literature were martyred. And mm. in several places where we traveled, you know, they talked about so-and-so was martyred here, so-and-so wow. was... And, they, and then... So when you put it in that kind of context, you realize that, well, this, this printing ministry is very, very dear mm -hmm. to their heart. Mm -hmm. And yes, to answer your question, there was, mm -hmm. a, there was a conference, and it was, went from 
let's see, April 19th through the 21st, Friday to, to Sunday. It was a three-day conference in Caltanissetta. And the primary theme, of course, was the gospel and the cross. Yeah. Uh, you've got to get that right. And so we dealt with, you know, just major terms like, first of all, the, the character of God that demands a gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the radical depravity of man that demands mm -hmm. a gospel. Um, exactly what happened in the cross. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, a, there's an idea in the Latin world, not just in Italy, but, but throughout Latin America also, in which Jesus is treated almost as a martyr, that, mm. that his death is to bring some sort of pity or empathy. And, and, you know, you have to show them, no, this death had a redemptive mm -hmm. purpose, that Christ was suffering vicariously, that is, in the place or stead of his people. He was bearing sin. He suffered the wrath of God. He died in our place. Uh, not just because of us, not just for us, but he died actually in place of mm -hmm. us. And that that death is sufficient. And the one thing that is so amazing when you're dealing, and I saw this in Peru years ago, um, when you're teaching the Bible, you're teaching this doctrine of the sufficiency of Christ's death to someone, and you can actually, whether they're sitting across a table from you or you see them as you're preaching, and you see a light turn on. It's not Christ yeah. plus me. It's not Christ plus my works. It's he did it all. My elder brother accomplished it all. And you see that light come on in their face and joy. And um, mm. we saw things like that this time, and it was a great blessing. Now, I've got down here because I don't want to forget it. Um, I had the privilege of preaching this conference um, and doing the question and answer, not just with uh, Nazareno Ulfo, but with a brother by the name of Alan Dunn. Hmm. Alan Dunn. And he's from um, Grace Covenant in New Jersey. And um, I had preached a few years ago before my heart attack in um, Singapore or Hong Kong, somewhere. Somewhere <laughs> over there. And with him. But I, I didn't hmm. remember it because I lost a bit of my memory. Yeah. And man, I want to tell you what. I marvel sometimes when I see how God has put so much biblical knowledge and biblical wisdom in the mind and heart of a man. And he is um, not just knows the truth, he's been transformed by it and he has the ability to communicate it. But the, the thing that, that's so important is a lot of times when you talk about a theologian, a lot of theologians do their theology outside the context of the local church. Mm -hmm. And so they, they lose something. They really do. Um, when someone is, even a, a good professor in a seminary, when they're doing all their teaching and all their work outside of the context of, of the normal person in the pew, there's something lost. Mm. But when you have a theologian, uh, an exegete like Alan Dunn, and, and he's done all this work in the context of a local congregation, not a megachurch, mm -hmm. but a local congregation. He knows everybody's name. He ministers to everyone in their home and in the pew and everything else. When he comes over and starts teaching men, it just exponentially increases the blessing. And so, so that was a great thing, and I've, uh, mm. I've decided I've got his name sitting out, and it's like every time I can have a conference and have him there. Yeah. And, and that's what Heart Cry is always talking about. One of the greatest things churches in America can do, if they have a pastor, 
mm. who is biblical, who believes not only in the inerrancy of Scripture, but also the sufficiency of Scripture. The pastor theologian yeah. is the best guy to have on the field. He's the best guy to have on the field because that's what we're doing. We're seeking to plant biblical churches, mm -hmm. and no one knows that better than the pastor theologian. Mm -hmm. And so was with him, and uh, also we did a question and answer uh, one day uh, pr during the conference, but it was confined to basically just pastors. Mm. And it was a question and answer with regard, it was open to anything, but the questions kept coming back to how do you do this in a local church? How do you establish this in a local mm. church? And I think the surprise of the men is that we didn't go to some sort of uh, new strategy, mm -hmm. like, well, you know, so-and-so's written a book about this and that and that. It was, it was no, let's go to the scriptures. What are you supposed to be doing mm. as a pastor? You're supposed to be ministering the word of God and you're supposed to be praying. And you're supposed to feed the congregation and care for the congregation. And you're supposed to uh, also, according to 2 Timothy 2, 2, train up elders. So we talked about all those things. We talked about oh, so many questions, church discipline, counseling, mm. everything. And, and, and that always is one of the, um, it's one of the best times mm. is when you can actually answer questions that people have. Yeah. And, and it was all about the local church, so it was, it was really helpful. Mm. Now, are Reno and Giovanni the only people we're working with in, in Italy, Sicily? Were there other works that you yes, visited while you there were there? Are. There are men that we are supporting, um, mm. and again, through the oversight and the sending out of, of the church in Caltanissetta and the, the pastors, the elders there. But... Um, I met with, after the conference, I spent like four days, Christian and I, traveling around. And, uh, and by the way, Christian Santos, I'm really mad at him because he could eat everything and I couldn't eat oh, anything. And I mean, he, he, he did not show mercy <laughs> at all. He just ate and ate and I ate. I wouldn't yeah. either. <laughs> yeah, I'm really praying for him. But uh, we, uh, we traveled around mm. quite a bit throughout Sicily. I think we almost made our way around the whole mm -hmm. island. And uh, for, we went to a place called uh, Milasso, and there's a young man there by the name of uh, Francesco Policino, mm -hmm. and um, he's maybe in his late 20s, and um, he studied in England, theology in England. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing, uh, we're supporting him, he's in a, in a church planning situation under the authority of the elders in Caltanissetta, mm -hmm. and... Um, Man, I really hit it off with him because mm -hmm. he, he's Italian through and through, and the wonder of that culture is his. Uh, but he has also been so touched by what I would call an English-Welsh Spurgeon-esque Martin Lloyd-Jonesy spirituality. Mm -hmm. He loves Spurgeon. He loves Martin Lloyd-Jones. He loves those types of men. He's a man that is really powerful in the pulpit. I've listened mm -hmm. to his sermons because I can, I can understand probably three quarters of a sermon in Italian. And, uh, and so he was expounding the scriptures. Mm -hmm. He has an ability to communicate. But the thing that I noticed was authority. is a mm -hmm. unique authority like, you know, like you see in a, a Spurgeon or you see in a, a Martin Lloyd-Jones. And um, we talked and talked and talked. I mean, about early Baptist, about Spurgeon, about the Puritans, about all our favorite books from Ian Murray. Um, and so it, it was mm -hmm. a blessing to be with him. I have great hopes for him and also great fears 
because every time I see a young man that God has his hand on him, you know, you need to pray for him because yeah. he's, he's going to be in the, you know, in the crosshairs mm. of the devil in the world. Mm. And then in Palermo, there's a young man named Jose, and he's not, um, he hasn't been sent out. This is just a, a kind of a Bible study, a thing that happened. And out of the, just his love for people and most of all, his love for the kingdom and the church, he's found himself in a position where everyone was looking mm. to him. Um, as I watched his life and I talked to other men, other men said, you know, he, he does bear the non-negotiable qualifications of an elder. And, um, mm. But, you know, there's also, if one aspires to the mm -hmm. office of overseer, you know, or in, in 2 Corinthians 8, does he have that, has God put that earnestness in his heart? And uh, I think he has, mm -hmm. but um, that's something he has to discover for himself. And I think more than anything, it's his humility mm. of wondering, you know, Lord, you know, he looks through those qualifications of an elder and he says, am I really there? And he really wants to be sure in his heart. But the, he's a pleasant young man, very pleasant, but he's very serious. Mm -hmm. He's serious about the, stu the study of scripture. I found him to be very serious about the spiritual disciplines hmm. and about um, when he gets in the pulpit, there's no tomfoolery with him. He, uh, I mean, he's not stern, he's not cold, but you can see he's, he sees this as a tremendous a dignity and responsibility. And so I was very, very pleased with him. And then there was in Comiso, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later. There's a man by the name of Ivan Caradona, and I really like this guy. He's a really nice guy. And, but it's another case where um, it's not necessarily a man that's been trained and sent out. Um, he's watched over by Nazareno, and he, he falls under his counsel. Mm -hmm. And, but he's basically a, a very, very intelligent, a very eloquent lawyer who became mm. a Christian and kind of, um, you know, he had this thing thrust upon him. There's this mm -hmm. church group and things like that, and there's no one, and, and he took the lead. Um, I think he's at a point right now where, you know, you have to sit there and go, this man has gifts, mm -hmm. and he has shown devotion, dedication, hard work. Um, but, you know, he really needs training. I mm. mean, he's, he's extremely, you know, he's intelligent, he's a lawyer, he's, he's but um, a man like that needs to really be invested in so mm. that he mm. can become everything that he ought to be in the kingdom. Mm. And I would be willing to, you know, see him even leave the work for a while if necessary so that he could come under great instruction. Mm -hmm. And you know, sometimes you have to give up your short-term successes in order to look toward that long-term. You know, if you invest in this man, you teach him, you teach him Greek, Hebrew, hermeneutics, teach him to think in a non-contradictory manner, let him know about church history, give him time to watch other elders and see their character and their dealings, you know, that may take away from the immediate, but in the long term, mm -hmm. it will provide maybe decades and decades of a greater ministry. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what I'm looking for. And then finally, uh, as far as the people that I visited, there's a guy who came down. His name is um, 
Stefani uh, Simone. Simone. It, I still can't pronounce that last name. Well. <laughs> and a man alive. He's an elder at a, a reformed church in um, Baptist church in uh, in Trento. Okay, and um, that's Trent. And if you think about it, the Council of Trent mm -hmm. in the 16th century, which basically that document, that council was a reaction against the Protestant Reformation and. Everything that was done there was an attempt to counter the Reformation, mm -hmm. to, to put an end to it. And praise God, they didn't succeed. But he's from that city where that council took place. And um, he's, um, he's been trained uh, in England. He's, he's excellent in Greek and Hebrew. Mm. He's a godly man. He's very, very humble. Um, his theology is, is sound. I mean, we just got into conversation after conversation after conversation. And um, when you first meet someone, you kind of just, you talk to them. You know, they talk, you talk, 50-50. Mm -hmm. And then when you start seeing, man, mm. this guy has been blessed. God's taught him a lot of things. Then you say, I'm going to shut up except for asking this man <laughs> questions and let him you know, assist mm -hmm. me a bit. Mm -hmm. um, he's kind of got the rumblings of God wants him to maybe do something more mm -hmm. in Italy. And um, he's, has, he's been gifted with so many gifts and knowledge and things. And I think about how he could be used to invest what he knows in the life of, of these men who had kind of ministries thrust upon them how he could teach them hermeneutics, just so many different things. And so we're going to have to be very, very careful because he is a very, very valuable asset. And, uh, you know, I'm, I kind of look at a person sometime and I, you know, want to say God loves you and I have a wonderful plan mm -hmm. for your life. And, uh, but I have to back up and, and say, man, God has really led this guy. I just hope that in the future that we can, uh, we can work together. Mm -hmm. It's fun as you talk about each of these men and thinking of all the various character qualities yeah. that go into a true biblical pastor, right? Yeah. That the Welsh spirituality that, by the way, is I know why you hit it off with him because that's very much a part of our spiritual heritage yeah. in this church, yeah. right? What the old school would call experiential religion. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the humility, even a hesitation about do I meet these qualifications yeah. and the desire for the work, the faithfulness to take what the Lord has put in your lap and just do your best with it. Yeah. And then the need for theological education yeah. and, and just adding those tools to the character God's bill. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, uh, with Francesco, um, one of the things, I mean, this happened a couple of different times. You know, he would, I would say, you know, I, you expounded that text very, very well. And he would do something like this. Yes, Brother Paul, but... I need more of the power of the Holy Spirit, mm. you know, and in that right there, it's like, yeah, you yeah. go, that yeah. you're right, <laughs> every one of us can say that, mm. you know, and it, it's the power of the Holy Spirit manifested in being able to understand and communicate truth, to live out that truth, mm. and then to see that truth work in the lives of others, bringing conversion and sanctification believing God, stepping out in faith. And, and um, I could see a hunger 
Mm. You know, he had read enough of the right books mm -hmm. to say, you know, th this is something I always tell people that, that Christianity is not less than sound doctrine. It's never less than sound right. doctrine, but it is more, yeah. you see. And uh, so I'm pretty excited about some of those guys. <laughs> and, uh, I see why. Yeah. So before you left, yeah. you were part of another very special meeting. What was that all about? Yeah. Um, the dedication of the church building in Comiso. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a few years ago, well, more than a few years now, you know, Brother Kevin Height, who's our administrator mm -hmm. here, we sent him to Italy to do some administrating. And uh, there were some things, opportunities there that I thought, well, Kevin's the best one to handle it. Mm -hmm. And what it was was a NATO base shut down hmm. there on the island of Sicily. And I mean, you literally, even now, you know, a week ago, I was walking through there with Christian, and, it, and it literally, you think you're in a movie or something. I mean, mm. these beautiful home you know, apartments and all these things, and there's nobody. I mean, no one. Wow. And the Italian government hopes to fulfill this, fill this. It's literally the size of like a small city, mm -hmm. you know, uh, repopulate it use all these houses and things, but there's a building on there that was built for a church. And um, Kevin and the brothers there in Italy were able to make a deal in which we have that building, uh, it's renegotiable after 18 years, but we have that building. And the price of the lease for that building was uh, simply renovate the building you know, bring it up mm. to date mm. and, um, and then maintain it. So there's this facility that I, I estimate would hold 250, 300 people in which uh, there it is, basically wow. almost free of charge except for the renovations that it mm -hmm. took. And um, so uh, this is where uh, our brother, the lawyer, uh, Yvonne, okay. is. And uh, man, he what he did was he... he he wanted to have a dedication service to the building as an opportunity to do evangelism. Mm -hmm. And so we had this meeting. It was on Friday afternoon and into the evening. And um, there was a dedication, a plaque dedicated to the Protestant Reformation uh, mm. that uh, suffered so greatly in Italy. And, um, and then there was... Uh, an explanation. The, and here's the thing, townspeople and the officials, mayors, I mean, important people were all there. Really? Yes, many government officials. And the purpose was, again, okay, we're going to explain to you what this plaque mm. is. We're going to explain to you what the Reformation was about. about it's about Scripture. It's about the Gospel. Mm. It's about Jesus Christ, His atoning death. And so it was wonderful. Um, Ivan made the presentation, and then uh, Nazareno got up and did a masterful job of, of preaching the gospel through explaining the Reformation. Because you see, people, hmm. um, everyone there basically was Catholic, and they'd only heard yeah. one side of what this is about. You know, a bunch of radicals, instead of hearing, no, this was about sola scriptura hmm. and about the gospel. And so he shared the gospel, and then we went inside for a church service. And, um, you know, this, this is real important. Um, Spurgeon, 
one time I was convicted, you know, Spurgeon talked about so many men are preaching about the gospel, but they're not preaching the gospel. And what he meant was, is when we, you know, see the beauty and the power of the gospel and the intricacies of the gospel, and then maybe we get some, you know, some fame in that for knowing these things. And we're asked to do conferences and we're preaching about the gospel or instructing mm. other Christians about the gospel, which is absolutely necessary. But there's a difference between that and actually preaching the gospel to lost souls. And, um, and that was what was so wonderful, to get up and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a room full of people who had never heard it, mm. many of them, mm. who they, they heard things they'd never heard before yeah. in, in their entire life. And to see them impacted, you know, to see little lights coming on and going, mm. man, like, I've never heard that before. I didn't know that. I didn't know, you know. And we went through, we went through the attributes of God with them. We went through depravity. We went through Paul's argument in Romans 3, 19, about, really? You really think now that through the law, through your good works, through your church affiliation, that that is enough to make you right with God? And then talking about a righteousness of God instead of the righteousness of man, and then the atoning, the vicarious work of Christ. And uh, I walked out of there just elated because yeah. we're so blessed when we get to preach the gospel to lost people. And, you know... Um, I witness almost every chance I get in some place, Walmart, whatever. My wife says she's never going to Walmart with me because I never leave because <laughs> I'm always trying to talk to somebody. But to be able to do that to a room full of people, mm -hmm. that was really exciting, really exciting. Wow. Well, brother, I can't imagine going to Italy and not being able to enjoy the food. So I hurt for you there, but it does sound like the Lord blessed your time there. So... Uh, this was fun, getting to interview you. Yeah. Thanks for that opportunity. Well, just, you know, I would that everyone would pray yeah. for, for Italy, for Sicily, the island, um, and to, that the Lord would raise up men. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. We need church planting men who are elder qualified. That's our great need.